Open your Bible, please, tonight to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 20. The book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we are going to do a very quick walk through a few verses of Scripture and um, we find Paul and seven other men in the city of Troas. So if you have your Bible open at Acts 20, would you stand to your feet, please? And we'll read together uh, from verse 7 to verse 12. So just a few verses, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and then you may sit back down. Beginning at verse 7, let's begin reading. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech unto midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber, where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep, and fell down from the third loft, and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. May God bless his word. Let's pray. Now, our Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak with our hearts, every one of us, Lord, young and old, male and female. Lord, we think everyone here is saved, and we don't know for sure, but if there be one unsaved, Lord, speak with that heart, that they may see the imperative, the necessity to run to Jesus before it's too late. Lord, we ask that you would teach us truth and make us stronger so we can go out into this crazy world and, and let our light shine for Jesus. So help us to this end, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What an amazing story we have here before us. Um, have you ever fallen asleep when you're not supposed to? Has that ever happened to anyone here? Yeah? How, just, let's be honest. If you've ever fallen asleep, keep your hand up for a moment. And I want you all to look around at the hands. You've fallen asleep when you're not supposed to. <laughs> We're in good company tonight, aren't we? I want to talk to you tonight about a guy named Lucky. <laughs> um, back in, uh, oh, I guess it would be the 1980s, uh, in uh, Hinton, Alberta, they experienced their worst train wreck when a CN uh, cargo train collided with a via rail passenger train. And we have a picture of that. So um, that doesn't show all of the devastation, but uh, the guys on the CN railroad train at 96 miles an hour came full bore and smashed 
into the via rail passenger train and the uh, the cars just kept hammering and coming and hammering and it felt like it would never stop and cars got all mangled and uh, 23 people were killed 95 were injured I believe most all or all of the um, the staff on that CN train were killed and they did an investigation and they determined that it was uh, the fatigue of the CN staff they were so overworked they were so overtired that they pretty much fell asleep at the controls and barreled right through and caused all that carnage and wreckage now that's pretty bad I doubt if anyone here has uh, racked up anything like that man that's bad okay we put that away there's been numerous cases of people who have fallen asleep at the switch uh, only to um, uh, wake up in in a disaster um, back in 1976 I was in a friend's car I'd only been saved about a year I was in a friend's car and it was late and we were talking about something I forget totally what we were talking about but boy was I tired he was driving the car we we pulled over and um, we we talked no wait a sec I was driving the car you see I don't even remember I was behind the wheel that's right and I pulled over to let him out but he didn't get out and he kept talking and talking and, an, and another hour goes by and I am so tired I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him and I literally fell asleep right in front of him while he was talking and I woke up and man that was embarrassing you know when you fall asleep when someone's talking to you but uh, I never forgot that tried not to duplicate that one but boy that was embarrassing some people fall asleep in church that happens I read about one guy who uh, knew that he had a problem falling asleep in church and so he was very clever what he did was he learned to disguise his snoring and so you know instead of the regular sort of thing he learned to disguise it So he was able to get away with it, at least for a while. Well, tonight we have a story of a young fellow, a young man who sat in church one night listening to the Apostle Paul preach. He was a common slave boy, is all he was, and he could have been maybe 12 or 15 years of age, we don't know, maybe more. And his name was Eutychus, which means lucky or fortunate is another way to translate it. And Eutychus lived in a, a large city called Troas, and it was a port city for ships up uh, in the uh, Aegean Sea. Now, there's a time for going to sleep, and there's a time for staying awake. And Eutychus made a mistake in church. He should have stayed awake, but he fell asleep. This is the first record we have, I think, of someone who was actually, listen carefully, bored to death. Think about that. He was bored to death. Now the Bible records disasters that happened to certain people who fell asleep. One of them is in Judges with our friend Samson. And he fell asleep on the knees of Delilah. And he woke up bald and uh, lost his strength. We read in Mark chapter 4 of the Apostle Peter who fell asleep while praying for Jesus when he was struggling in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that? And he ended up denying the Lord. 
And of course, we have the um, story of Jonah who fell asleep in the boat. We've got Eutychus here who fell asleep during Paul's preaching with disastrous consequences. I often wonder, what was Paul preaching about? Now it says, if you look at it again here, it says, upon the first day of the week, this is in verse 7. Now, we say, well, that's Sunday, that's the Lord's Day. And we often think, oh... You know, that's 11 o'clock morning service. But back in that economy, 2,000 years ago, the first day of the week, Sunday, was like our Monday. And people went off to work. And so did the slaves. Many of our early forefathers and foremothers in the faith, they were just common slaves that got saved. And they had work that they had to go to and jobs, and they were beholden to be there. And so at the end of the workday, maybe 6 o'clock or something like that, they were free to, to do whatever they needed to do, and that's when they would have probably come together. So their church services on Sundays would have been in the evening because they were forced to work during the day. Interesting. So upon the first day of the week, disciples came together to break bread. That would have been what we would know as communion. Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow. Hooray for the Apostle Paul. Imagine that, having the Apostle Paul there. What do you preach on? Who cares? It's the Apostle Paul. Right? And so they had the privilege of having them. And only it says here, he continued his speech until midnight. Now, <laughs> We're lucky. We don't have any windows to fall out of. And I'm not preaching till midnight. I'm going to be fast asleep by then. Uh, it says in verse 8, there were many lights in the upper chamber. Remember, they didn't have fluorescent. They didn't have incandescent. They had coal oil, or they would have had olive oil, little oil lamps with a wick in there, and that would have let off a certain amount of smoke. And when smoke gets in your eyes... You know, and so um, they had a lot of lamps there for the light, and so it would have been a bit on the smoky side. It may have been uh, warm as well. We're not sure, but um, it says in verse nine, there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus. Now remember, they're up on the third loft. That's three stories up. Where was uh, Lucky's mom and dad here? I wonder if uh, they said, "Now, Lucky, you be careful." Oh, I will, mom. Don't worry. I will, dad. Don't worry about me. That's a common song, isn't it? And so here the young man sat in a window. And it says, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, uh, no comments on that, please. Uh, it says, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him, embracing him, said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. Uh, there's question about that. Was he really dead? Um, some say absolutely he was dead. Now myself, I believe he was dead. Uh, but there's also some speculation that when you die, how long does your soul hang around in the body before it leaves? So there's some question about that too. So these are things that we do, all we have is speculation. We don't have any answers. But uh, Paul came down and obviously did some kind of healing. Or the Lord through Paul. And so, anyhow, they, they brought him back up, and they broke bed, and, and they ate, and they talked a long while to the break of day. Ooh. So, um, I figure that it was April over there in Asia Minor, and the break of day would have been about 6.30 a.m. So that's my sort of dead reckoning on that. And then he departed. Imagine having a church service like that. We've had prayer meetings like that here in the church where we pray all night, an all-night prayer meeting. We've done that. And uh, boy, those are sweet times, I'll tell you. We're, and they're not over yet. We're going to do them again.
because we need it. So verse 12, they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. We don't know if he continued to sleep until the break of day or if he revived and woke up and listened to the preaching after that. We don't know. But a uh, very interesting story here before us. Um, Sometimes drivers uh, of cars and trucks get sleepy. And uh, they've made devices that you put on your head that if your head tilts, it makes a noise in your ear and keeps you awake. I think I told you that I had a friend. He was an evangelist and he, he passed away, um, I don't know, a good 10 or 15 years ago. But he, he flew airplanes in the Second World War. He was part of the Black Sheep Squadron. They were a bunch of wild misfits. And they went out over the Pacific and they fought all kinds of battles in Guadalcanal and stuff like that. Anyhow, uh, Pappy Boyington was the uh, leader of that uh, raunchy crowd. My friend was right in there with him. And uh, he wasn't saved at the time. And he, he, he told me that in order to stay awake, because they'd be partying. These guys were nuts. They'd be partying halfway through the night. Then they'd have to get up at four in the morning to fly their planes over the Pacific. And so in order to stay awake, because they were so crazy, they, they would put tobacco under their eyelids and it would burn so much they, they couldn't close their eyes. They had to keep their eyes open. So um, there's a thought <laughs> for uh, anyone having trouble staying awake in church. You know, find uh, someone who uh, can help you out there. Don't come my way. I gave that stuff up long ago. And so anyhow, uh, sometimes drivers get real sleepy and uh, they fall asleep while they're driving. Uh, it happened to my dad. He told me that he was driving through a little town, I think on the Quebec side. This is maybe back in the 40s or something, or the 50s, maybe the 40s. And he said he was so tired and he... He came into the town, and all of a sudden he realized he was out of the town on the other side. Have you ever done anything like that? You've been driving, you've been so tired, you just kind of go into a, a coma or something, and you drive straight, and you realize, wow, where, where did the last 60 seconds go? And it's scary, isn't it, when you're in a situation like that? How would you like to be in a car where the driver just fell asleep? Wouldn't that make you pray? Yeah and shake the guy's shoulders, probably. Well, in times of war, if a sentry on duty was caught asleep, according to military code of justice, he could be shot, put to death. Although that sort of thing didn't happen very often, it did happen. It's a dangerous thing to fall asleep when you're supposed to be awake. And if you don't mind a little bit of humor, they say that Adam fell asleep and woke up married. <laughs> now, if you fall asleep when you should be awake, you could have a disaster. Now, verse 9 talks about Eutychus falling from the, the third story here. And that may have been 18 or 20 feet up in, the, up in the sky, if you will, up in the air. Eutychus fell and perhaps landed on his head, maybe broke his neck. We don't know. But he was taken up dead. Now, Luke was the physician and he was right there. So here is the physician, the doctor, examined him and certified him dead. But did Eutychus really die? I read about a man in Springfield, Missouri back in 2011, and he fell from just a second story balcony, but he landed on his head and he died. I guess you've got to be careful about landing on your head. Now, Eutychus means lucky or fortunate, and I think it was lucky for Eutychus that the Apostle Paul was there. In verses 11 and 12, um, again, 
Perhaps Eutychus didn't wake up until the morning. We don't know. Maybe he kept sleeping. But if you fall asleep when you should be awake, you might have a disaster. I am proud to say the Lord doesn't fall asleep on duty. I am very comforted by Psalm 121. Uh, it says, He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. If he'll do that for Israel, he'll do that for all his children. Isn't that nice to know? He watches over us. We don't have to wake him up. Hey, up there. Hey, wake up. No, he's always awake. Now, obviously you realize that there's another way to fall asleep. You can be fully awake and still be asleep. And we're talking about a spiritual slumber. That's another way in which you can fall asleep. It means that there's no visible evidence of spiritual life in you. Uh, even though there is, but there's no visible evidence of it because you're backslidden, your life resembles an unsaved person. This is spiritual sleep. You tend to be insensitive to spiritual things. Now, I'd like if you could take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Let's go there. Ephesians, chapter 5. I'm going to get you to help me and read another verse. Ephesians chapter 5, and this is a very good verse. It's very important because it really does tell us this concept of falling asleep spiritually. It's possible that we may have one or more Christians here born again, yes. Sins forgiven, yes. On their way to heaven, yes. But they're spiritually asleep. And this verse will definitely speak to all Christians, and in particular, to those that are spiritually asleep. And it's in verse 14. I'd like if you would raise your voice and read it out loud with me now. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now, it's not talking to unsaved people because they are dead. It's talking about people who are alive but asleep spiritually alive and yet asleep and a sleeping person resembles a dead person you walk in the room and you see someone laying there and their mouth wide open you know and you think oh, maybe they're dead no they're just just sleeping just just listen to them snore listen oh man see they're they're only asleep right but they look like they're dead I hope they're not dead, at least anyhow. Sometimes new parents, uh, they'll uh, tiptoe into the, the baby's room and they'll look and they'll watch and they'll watch and they'll watch that baby until they see it move or until they see the, the breathing. And they'll say, oh, good. Because let's be honest, sometimes it happens. Babies die unexpectedly. And uh, as new parents and sometimes even as experienced parents, you know, we... Wait a minute, I don't hear the baby breathing. Okay, no, it's all right, it's all right. And so we're concerned about that. But here in Ephesians, the apostle writes to them that are asleep, thou that sleepest. And it's like a command, if you will. Awake and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You say, how do I know if I'm asleep or not? How do I know if I'm asleep? Do you have the light of Christ in your life every day? Is it bright and shining? Is his presence 
there? Can you experience, can you feel it? If you went out in the, the bright sunlight, you'd know it. You know, you might have to blink it so bright. Well, the, the blessing of having Christ in your life. Can you feel that light? If you can't, you might be asleep. Let's go to the right, to the book of First Peter. Right before 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We have 1st and 2nd Peter. Go to 1st Peter and chapter 5. And here's an interesting verse also. <clears throat> now this one doesn't particularly talk about Christians who are spiritually asleep. But there may be another, they may have another problem. In 1st Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And I'd like you to read it out loud with me again, please. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that the devil is walking about looking for someone who's not sober? Now, when it talks about sober, of course, usually we think of that's the opposite of being drunk with wine or inebriated with alcohol or something. But I'll have you know that you can be drunk on worldliness and not sober spiritually. You can be drunk on the things of the world. You can love money so much. You can love the, uh, the things of the world, the, the music of the world, and their, their craziness for, uh, for sex, and their craziness for wild living, and things like that. And you can get actually drunk, if you will, on those things. And sad to say, a lot of Christian young people have gotten sucked into that lifestyle. And deep down, they know it's not right. But they seem to be powerless and they don't seem to have any ability to conquer that and to be able to break the chains and walk away from it. What are they going to do? Take hope. There is an answer. There really is an answer. But isn't that an interesting verse? It's about being sober. So don't be drunk on the worldliness. Because truth is, if you're drunk on worldliness, the devil will devour you. He's looking for those whom he may devour. That means to eat up. And he will eat up your devotional time with God. He will eat up your prayer time. He will eat up your church time, your church attendance. He will eat up uh, any, any stake, any claim that you've made for the Lord. He will gobble those things up. You'll be left like the uh, prodigal son uh, with the pigs and the swill. That's what you'll be left with. And so finally that young man came to himself and said, What am I doing? Even the servants back in my father's house have plenty to eat. And here I'm a son and I'm starving to death. I will arise and go to my father. Takes a decision of the will. And so Christians who are asleep spiritually, even though they are awake physically, will suffer destruction. Now, these Christians tend not to be concerned about lost friends and loved ones. I want to give you some symptoms here, uh, several symptoms. How do I know? How do I know if I'm spiritually, awake, uh, uh, spiritually asleep? How do I know? Well, uh, there's not going to be a concern about lost friends and loved ones. Uh, we, the first time I ever saw this up close was many, many, many 
years ago, back in the city of Ottawa at our church with a young man there. And he was burdened about the salvation of his sister. And uh, we were praying for her and he was trying to witness to her. And then he went away on a business trip and he committed adultery. And then he came back and he was a changed man. And he was no longer concerned about the salvation of his sister. And he even told us, please, would you stop praying for my sister? We couldn't believe it. It was almost like a slap in the face. Who are you and what have you done? Now his name was Ken. Who are you and what have you done with our brother Ken? That's just what it felt like. And so I don't know what happened to that young man after that. He actually did manage to push ahead and, and get that woman to get a divorce. And he married that woman. I haven't a clue what happened. I totally lost track. But uh, there's an example there of changes fast because he got involved in that. And by the way, I think I'd like to throw in a little uh, commercial here. Um, one of the worst things, aside from narcotics and drugs, uh, I think one of the worst addictive uh, man-eaters is pornography and um, uh, fornication, adultery, all that miserable world. Uh, as soon as that door is opened, there's no going back. And so that's why it's so important as parents that we try and raise the children and protect them until they're uh, old enough to be able to go out on their own and they know enough to stay away from these things. Some growing men don't have that. And so when they go away on a business trip, they go someplace, uh, they get out of town, they go to another town, a strange town. One of the first things they do is they go into a strip club or something like that. That stuff is poison, poison, poison. And there are so many Christians, I believe, that are locked into that. And not just men, but women as well. Uh, that door opens and there's no closing it. That will haunt you. And so it's vital, vital that that door not be opened. And I say, well, what do I do if the door has been opened? Then you really have to cry out to God for help. Because that's the only way you're going to get help. Is if God himself comes down and helps you with that. And he will. But you need to cry out to him for help. But he will give you victory. Now, uh, Christians who are spiritually asleep will tend not to be concerned about their lost loved ones and about their lost friends. I ask you tonight, how concerned are you about your lost friends or your lost loved ones? How much a burden on your heart is it? Uh, number two, uh, being a soul winner or supporting missions has little or no appeal to them. Uh, see all those missionaries up there, all those missionaries there, and they're taking the gospel around the world. Eh, good for them. Good for them. But don't ask me to get on the bandwagon. Don't ask me to give to Faith Promise. Uh, oh, we're having a Soul Winners University come in uh, September. And I encourage everyone to sign up. And some will sign up and some won't. Now listen, by the way, that doesn't mean that those who don't sign up are spiritually asleep. But maybe one of them or two of them are. Maybe we have spiritually asleep people in our church where when I announce about the Soul Winners University, they basically say to themselves, well, that's all right for someone else, but not for me. It's not my cup of tea. I'm not interested. Really, I could care less. You know, there's other people look after that. I'm not into that kind of thing. Now, I'm sure we don't have many with that sort of thought or attitude. I'm pretty sure of that. But if we did, such a person would exhibit uh, a symptom of being spiritually asleep if they're saved. 
They are spiritually asleep. They sure resemble the dead. The unsaved have no burden for missions. The unsaved have no burden to learn soul winning. The unsaved don't pray for their lost loved ones and their lost friends. Why? Because they're dead in sin and trespasses. They got no desire along that line. Saved people tend to have a desire, but if they fall asleep spiritually, they resemble the dead, don't they? What else? The thought of Jesus dying for them on the cross does not move them to tears and gratitude. They say, oh yeah, I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me out of here. And the thought of Christ's death for them on the cross of Calvary and all that he suffered on their behalf, it doesn't move them even to say, thank you, Lord, with all my heart, thank you for saving my soul. That is a symptom and evidence, if you will, of being spiritually asleep. Uh, serving the Lord at church is more of a job than a joy. Oh, I got to go in church again. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. It's not a joy anymore. It's more of a job. That's sad. Uh, what else? Not many prayers or answers to prayer. Not much fruit of the Spirit. Uh, pretty much ends up sort of being a useless life, really, if we're spiritually asleep. What is the message of God to Christians who are spiritually asleep? I believe it's Ephesians 5.14. Awake thou that sleepest. I think that God is trying to wake us up. Now, uh, the disaster that follows spiritual sleep is a spiritual fall. What happened to Eutychus? He was sitting in the window. He fell asleep. Did it end there? Yes or no? Hello? No, it didn't. There's more to the story. After he fell asleep, then he what? He fell. That's exactly what will happen for a Christian who falls asleep spiritually. They're, they're not alive and walking with the Lord. They're spiritually asleep. What's going to happen? They're going to have a fall. And just like the, uh, the, the nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty. Remember that one? Sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great what? A fall, yeah. Whew. And too bad for Humpty. Uh, all the king's horses, king's men, couldn't put Humpty together again. You know, the Lord can put Humpty together, but the king's horses nor the king's men can't. Only the Lord can do certain things. Now, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4 says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Say, what does that mean? Well, that means a Christian, perhaps, who says, well, you know, I... I'm not a sinner anymore. I don't do those things I used to do. Uh, I'm living my life. I even read my Bible. I even go to church. I'll even put money in the offering. Boy, God must be pretty proud, pretty happy to have someone like me. There's no grace there. There's no uh, feeling of unworthiness. There's, there's no knowledge of uh, God's uh, love and mercy and tender pity toward us. God doesn't need us the same way that we need him. And we will never come to a point where we're, we're so golden that God says, Oh, listen, Gabriel. Oh, listen, boys up in heaven. Listen, I sure hope I don't lose that man. I sure hope I don't lose that woman. Oh, they're just so wonderful. I, I could lose many others, but I never want to lose her. I never want to lose him. That's not going to happen, sweet. That's not going to happen at all. Because every day that we draw breath, it's by God's mercy and grace. 
and someone who sort of had a spiritual nodding off, they've had a fall, they've fallen from grace. They don't live in God's grace anymore. They're not thankful. They're, there's no joy in their lives, spring in their steps, song in their lips. It's gone. Now it's like business as usual or, oh God, you know, God, I'll do this for you, but uh, stay off my back. Uh, I'll give you some money here, but uh, please, uh, you know, don't bother me. It's almost like we're paying God, you know, protection money or hush money or paying him to get off our back. And, and that's not right. Such a Christian would have fallen from grace. There is no sense of a need in their life. Every day you and I have needs that only God can fulfill. Did you know that the Bible says that he looks after us daily, loading benefits upon us? You, you know, if you have life tomorrow, if you wake up tomorrow morning, it's because of God's life, uh, giving his mercy, his grace. You're going to wake up, you know, you're going to get out of bed. There's a lot of people who won't wake up. There's a lot of people who can wake up, but they can't get out of bed. There's a lot of people who can't even dress themselves or feed themselves. If you think you can dress yourself and feed yourself, boy, that's the grace and mercy of God, folks. Because but for the grace of God, there goes you and me. We need his grace on a daily basis. And when we're fallen from grace, we've forgotten all of that. We've spiritually fallen asleep, just like Eutychus. We fell asleep, and like Humpty, we had a great fall. Well, actually, like Eutychus, like old Lucky. Ever heard the guy, he lost his dog and posted a sign, dog lost, has one eye, has one ear, missing a leg, missing patches of fur, goes by the name Lucky. Ever heard that? No? doesn't matter. I don't think he ever found him. Anyhow, our friend in the story, Lucky, Eutychus, fell asleep and he fell out the window. Bang, did he hit hard. That's exactly what will happen to you and I if we fall asleep. And listen, it can happen in the ministry as well as it can happen in the pew. It's something that none of us are immune from. I can't tell you that I'm, I'm beyond such a thing because the Bible says wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall wow there it is again isn't it and so old Eutychus here had quite a disaster the Christian's great ability is the grace of God in his or her life it's by this grace that we can live victorious lives if God's grace is not flowing through you it's impossible for you to get victory over sin. It's impossible for you to, to walk and talk with God and to feel the, the, the great flow of God in your life and through your life unless it's by the grace of God. A Christian who has fallen spiritually asleep and has fallen from grace, this means that he or she is now depending on other things rather than on the wonderful grace of Jesus. Did you know that as a church, we must never get to the place where we start depending on other things rather than on the power of God? When we come together on a Sunday morning, we have prayer at 8 o'clock, and we're begging God for his power. At 9.30, we've got the prayer meeting that's open to everyone. I invite you next Sunday for 9.30 to come and join us. We get on our knees and we pray for God's mercy and for his tender pity and for his power. If you are experiencing any of that in these services, I believe it's because there are people of God that have been praying for you. So isn't it time that we 
you know, take up our position and we help pull on the rope and we help with the oars as well and we get on our knees and pray. Now it's going to take a commitment to be here for 9.30 because at 9.31 we close the door. So that means you've got to be here at 9.29 if you will. Get in there and get a good seat. And listen, if we pack the place out, it doesn't matter. We'll pack this place out. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll have room. Don't you worry about it. But I just want to invite you to the prayer meeting. It's at the prayer meeting when we get on our knees. That's where we can see the great things happen. And so a Christian who is spiritually fallen asleep will fall from grace. And now they have to start depending on other things. Like when you go to work, when you go to school, you've got to start depending on how smart you are, on, on the gift of the gab. You've got to start depending upon trying to get a favor out of the boss. You've got to try and have this person put in a good word for you. You've got to go through all kinds of worldly things like that instead of just depending on God and his power. You know, we're praying for a new building, you know that. And we've been praying for a long time. You say, well, it hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't happened, not this time yet. It's happened all the other times, and we're just waiting for it to happen this time. Oh, yeah, but you said this morning you want a building 15,000 square feet. Huh, what's the chance of that happening? Zero, zero chance of that happening, folks. Zero, did you get it? Zero, aside from the grace of God. Because God is able to do exceeding abundantly all, above all you can ever ask or think. We're asking God to do a miracle. We're asking God to give us 20 acres. We're asking God to give us 10 buildings. I believe if God will do that in his timing, we'll fill up the building. We'll reach more of Surrey than ever before. We've got a, a bus route where we send one small bus. I want to see 10 one day. We support 56 missionaries. We're doing good, folks, but let's not pat ourselves on the back. There's a whole world out there dying and going to hell, and 56 missionaries is not enough. I'd like to see us top 100 missionaries and then 200 missionaries. You say, that's impossible. Go tell that to some of the churches that are supporting 400 missionaries. It's possible, but only through the power of God. Okay? That's what we're talking about, is when you fall asleep spiritually, you're going to have a great fall, and you're not going to get the power of God through your life. Maybe there was a time where you felt the power of God. Maybe it was months ago, maybe it was years ago, where you used to have sweet communion with God. You used to read the Bible and get something out of it. You used to pray and know that God was hearing you. All that's changed now. Now it just seems like business as usual. Why doesn't anything great ever happen? Why can't you go into a, a, a prayer meeting with God and come out with a glow on your face? Why can't you go in to a prayer closet and come out saying, Honey, let me tell you what the Lord just showed me in the Bible. When was the last time that happened? That will happen as we depend on the grace of God, and that can only happen when we are awake, spiritually awake. I've given you some symptoms, if you will. You know, the eagle learns to depend upon the swirling currents of the wind and the air in order to lift him higher and higher. That's why an eagle can go way up there. He can go a mile high. He doesn't get there by flapping his wings. A few flaps of the wings just gets him started, and then he picks up the air currents, and he rides on the air currents, and around and around he goes higher and higher. Before you know it, he's out of sight. He's not flapping his wings at all. He's depending upon another power. And that's the same with a Christian. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And that's what you and I need, folks. 
We need God's power, his wind beneath our wings, as they say. Tomorrow could be a tough day at work for someone. Tomorrow could be a tough day, period, for someone. You're going to need God's power. It's possible that tomorrow something could happen and you could be told that you're out of work. No more work for you. Boy, that'd be devastating. Especially if you've got bills that have to be paid and people that are depending on you. That's bad news, isn't it? And our guts just, ah, uh, you know, and our heart pounds and everything. And the devil is there to tempt us. Curse God and die. No, that's when we need to get eagle's wings and rise above these things. That is the grace of God. And that will only happen when we're spiritually awake. And we're talking about a guy tonight. His name is Lucky. What a mistake here. A Christian who has fallen from grace now depends on their own strength to get through life. That is a mistake, my friend. Christians who are asleep spiritually, even though they may be awake physically. Now, I ask you this question. I don't know if you can answer this, but I'll ask it anyhow. Are you spiritually awake tonight? Are you spiritually awake or are you spiritually asleep? Or let me ask you, could you be half asleep? You know, it would be like uh, Eutychus hanging halfway out the window. Oh, he hasn't fallen yet, but he's halfway out the window. That's pretty dangerous too. Ask yourself these questions. Am I concerned about my lost friends and my lost loved ones? Is there a real burden there for them to be saved? Is being a soul winner and supporting missions something that I really want to do? Does the thought of Jesus dying for me on the cross actually move me to gratitude and to worship him? Is serving the Lord at church bringing me great joy? Do I get joy from reading my Bible and spending time with God in prayer? Those are key questions. Those are evidences, if you will, of spiritual life and joy. And it's a, a, an examination that every one of us needs to make. Paul wrote and said, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. If you fall asleep, you'll have no joy and you'll have extra conflicts in your life. Did you know that wicked people have no trouble staying awake in order to do wicked things? Did you know that? They've got no trouble staying awake. Proverbs says, For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. Now, a lot of wicked people will even wait in line for a couple of hours to get hockey tickets, and then they'll sit for two more hours on a hard bench, and they'll love every minute of it. And yet, you ask yourself, how long are the lineups for people to get into church? And we have trouble sitting on padded pews for one hour, learning about God and His ways. What must we do to wake up physically? If we were half asleep and we wanted to wake ourselves up physically, what are some of the things we would do? Any suggestions? What? Slap your face. Okay, what's next? Slap it again. What's next? <laughs> Cold water, okay. Anything else? Anyone over here? What's that? Pinch yourself. Well, a lot of physical abuse going on here tonight, but hey, if it works, do it. And, and throw cold water on your face. Uh, how about a cup of coffee, maybe? Something? 
whatever, but you probably have a routine, don't you? You probably do things, don't you, when you're half asleep and you want to wake yourself up, right? You probably have some kind of idea what you would do. Now, let me ask you, if you were half asleep spiritually, how would you wake yourself up? Or if you were asleep, how about that? How in the world would you wake yourself up if you're asleep? That'd be a hard one. Huh? How about revival? How about revival? Revival is not something you and I are able to work up. Revival is only something that God can give from heaven. You have to cry out. Here am I, Lord. When you got saved, you didn't save yourself, did you? Hope not. Because if you did, it's no good. It's not a very good salvation. The only good salvation is the kind that Jesus gives. And if you want to wake up spiritually, you're going to have to go to the same person who saved you. He is the only one that can wake you up spiritually. And there's a lot of good things you can do and get involved with that'll help. But you have to go to Jesus and say, Lord, I think I'm half asleep here. Lord, I think I need your help. I tell you something, I love to get to bed early so I can get up early. That's the only way I can get up early is if I go to bed early. I love to get up early so that I can get alone with God and I can spend that time. This morning I got up, uh, woke up, I think it was a quarter to four. I don't think I got out of bed until after four though, <laughs> sleeping in. But uh, boy, it's nice and quiet. The house is quiet. It's dark outside. And I, I get into my prayer closet and I'm un, unhurried. I don't have pressure on me. And I can sit down and I can read scripture. I got my harp that I made. I can sing to the Lord. I can worship him and I can get on my face and pray. And sometimes it happens where I'm tired. And when I get on my face to pray, you know, it's just like I'm in a bit of a cloud. And so I've learned what I do is I cry out to God. And I say, Lord, I'm so tired. I think I'm falling asleep. Lord, help me, help me, wake me up. And the Holy Spirit answers prayer every time. Every time I cry out to him. It happened like once anyhow that I didn't cry out to him and I, I think I woke up sometime later. <laughs> uh, kind of my hall of shame there. But uh, when I cry out to God, he answers prayer. So this is what we need to do. All right? How do we wake ourselves up spiritually? We have to go to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't know, maybe I'm half asleep spiritually. I don't seem to have that burning desire to worship you. I don't seem to have a, a burning desire to see my friends saved. I think I must be half asleep spiritually. Lord, would you please help me? Would you please wake me up? Would you please help me to be the Christian man or woman that you want me to be? And God loves to answer prayers like that. I can guarantee you he will help you. Just as if it was a child coming to the parents saying, oh, I'm so tired, Dad, help me to wake up. Okay, son, I'll help you. Let's do some jumping jacks. Here's a cup of coffee. Where's that slap in the face? No, no, not, not for Junior here. Maybe a glass of cold water, not, not in the face, but to drink. <laughs> so a cold washcloth might help as well. But you get the idea, Dad will help his son and the Heavenly Father will help his children to wake up spiritually because look at old Lucky. That poor guy, he fell asleep. Then he fell. And he fell hard. And that's not something we want. Because as a Christian, if you fall asleep, if the devil can get you to fall asleep, he knows he'll get you to fall. 
and you'll fall from grace and you'll start living your life in your own strength, totally out of God's will. There'll be no more miracles. There'll be no more answers to prayer in your life. You need to get back with God. Cry out to him for revival. Ask him to bring you back close so that, so that the joy is there, the miracles are there, the wonder of it all is there. And that, that can be there for you and for me. Let's do something about it tonight. And I invite you to come to the altar and, and talk to God about your spiritual awakeness. And I invite you to come and ask him to help revive you and make you alive so that your prayer time with him in the morning is going to be something that you're, you're just not going to want to leave. Let's stand to our feet, shall we?